if you would, let's look at Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse 11. Buck, Buck when he preached, it was a wonderful message, uh, and I thank the Lord for it. He preached this past Wednesday night. He preached from Isaiah, so he gave you some of the background of what was going on there. But uh, let's just pick up in, in verse 11. And it says, Isaiah says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. Say ye not a confederacy, that's like an alliance, to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy, neither fear ye their, their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. And He shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and a sign, I mean a gin, and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The word sanctify here, where it says in verse 13, where we know the word, but it says, sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. Okay? It means uh, to make morally pure. Well, the Lord's already morally pure. He's already clean. But there's another definition to sanctify as well. And it means to dedicate holy or to set apart. Okay? To dedicate holy. There's a God in heaven that's the creator of all things, the eternal, everlasting God. And then there are men created in the image of God. That's you and me in this whole world of 7.5 billion people. There's God and there's men created in the image of God. And the Bible says that, that men are to be separated unto God. And God is to be separated or sanctified in the heart and the life of the believer. That's the only real way to walk. It's the only real way to live. Anything else is, is out of balance. Anything else is dark. Anything else is, is uh, out of God's plan and will. There's a holy God. There's sinful men. He sent His Son Jesus Christ to shed His blood on the cross, His life's blood, and He died, rose again the third day in power, that men may know Him. And that lost men, mingling around, just living their life on their own, groping in the darkness, basically, morally and spiritually, would come to know Him and then be separated unto Him. And God would be sanctified as well in the heart and the life of the believer. I just want to read this Scripture. You don't have to turn there. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read a lot of Scriptures today. I'll tell you where they come from. Some will turn and read and some will. Uh, I'll just read myself. But from Psalm chapter 4, 1-3, through 3, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? And how long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. The Lord has set apart them that are godly for himself. We belong to the Lord. He purchased us with the blood of Jesus. If you're saved, you belong to God. He didn't just save your sin and leave you on your own and say, now I hope you're happy. He saved us unto Himself. There was a price. He paid the price. And He bought us. And we belong to Him. And we're free from sin and we're given the gift of eternal life if we're in Christ. But it says, know that the Lord has set apart Him that is godly for Himself. We're, you, are, you are God's if you're born again. And he, He's a jealous God. Not jealous in the way that we think of jealousy as some little... Uh, you know, I don't know, weak kind of person that's just jealous of everybody else. He's the Almighty God. But He's jealous over you. And He's jealous over me with a godly jealousy. In other words, He wants us and He wants us to be His. And not to, to be His halfway and, and to belong to ourselves or something else halfway. He wants us to be His all the way. And Israel, where we're reading in Isaiah... And the, the time, Isaiah is one of the, the main prophets in the Bible. This is written about, uh, you'll hear different accounts, maybe 700 and something years before Jesus was born. Okay? Uh, this, prop, this book was written, and Isaiah was a prophet. And Israel had sinned, and Judah had sinned, and they'd rebelled against the Lord. Now remember, God had chosen Israel to be his people. He made a covenant with them. He chose them because He chose them. Always think about that. It wasn't an agreement like if 
the people said, if you'll be our God, then we'll really serve you. It was He chose them and set His love upon them, the Bible says. And He chose them to be His people, separated unto them. He uses words like He was a spouse to them or wed to them. And uh, He wanted the, the, the Jewish people... Of course, Jesus came out of that, that line from Israel. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. And, but God wanted the Jewish people as a nation to, bring, to be a light to the Gentile world. And the God of Israel in the midst of Israel to be mighty, to be loved, to be obeyed, to be glorified, to be worshipped. That other people actually look at this people, Israel, on the outside, and they're worshipping all these, these other nations are worshipping these pagan gods, to look at Israel and actually come to know the Lord because of the goodness of God and the hand of God among, amongst His people and upon His people and say, now there's a real God in the midst of those people. His God defeats their enemies before them that are a lot mightier than they are. But He, he defeats them. His God blesses them with rain in the proper seasons. His, his God's blessing their children and their crops and their houses. Look, let's go see how they worship the Lord. Let's go learn about this Lord. And God had set apart Israel for Himself. But at this time, in a lot of the history of the Jewish people, they were walking in rebellion to the Lord. They had chosen... Uh, rather to, to just mix and mingle and compromise with the Gentile nations around them that didn't know God. In fact, they didn't only not know God, but they, these other nations that were their neighbors worshipped idols. And it was an abomination to the Lord. Their practices, they were ungodly. And here's Israel, instead of saying, here's Jehovah, they went and followed after these pagan gods that were around them. And they trusted in these pagan gods. And they trusted in the kings of these pagan nations to be their deliverer when they got into a, some type of a crisis where they needed military protection. They were actually trusting in the gods of these other nations. They had abandoned the Lord. There are Scriptures that talk in, the, in the Bible that say they had cast the Lord behind their backs. I mean, think about that. I think as a nation, that's what we've done as a whole. Not every person. We've cast the Lord behind our backs. He's back there somewhere. That's past. That's old hat. We're, we've progressed. We've moved on. You know, we're accepting of all kinds of sinful things now. And that's old. And that God is old. And that Bible is old. And we've cast the Lord behind our backs. He's still the Lord. And He still sits on His throne though. Amen? And I want to just read this from Jeremiah. Hath a nation changed their gods? Jeremiah 2.11 Which are yet no gods but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. He's speaking about them leaving Jehovah and the, the one true living God and following after gods that aren't gods. Gods with the little g. They can't help them. And it's foolish, but people do it. And Israel was doing it at this time. The Lord loves them though. And He's always appealing. I'm speaking to Israel and He loves His people now today. He's always appealing to them to come back. He's chosen them to be His own people. And if you look back in, in, in Isaiah where we started reading in verse 11, the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand. Isaiah is saying, God really spoke this to me. He really spoke this to me. He says, instructed me, I should not walk in the way of this people. Don't walk like they're walking, Isaiah. And can I tell you, God's we got the same call upon our lives today. There are peaks and valleys in the, the in like the history of a nation where we might be closer to God at times than other times. I would say now is a valley. We're we're a long way from the Lord as a whole. But but yet the Lord is still have He's still God, He's still still speaking to His people through His word. He's telling you and He's me, don't walk like they're walking. That sounds like a simple kind of no brainer type of thing, but we need to know it. Don't you walk like they're walking just because it's most more popular today to, to be away from God and the sin and the things that they're doing. Walk has to do with the lifestyle, okay? The Lord told Isaiah with a strong hand, walk not in the way of this people. Okay? Don't walk after them. Don't live like they're living. There's something better for the people of God. God is better. Okay? He has a better life for you 
than any life apart from Christ. He has a better life for you than what the lost world possesses. And they can show you how much fun they're having and oh, you Christians are missing out on all this and so forth. The end of of their life is destruction if they don't come to Christ. They have no peace. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. The Bible tells us that. So they can tell you and try to appeal to, to you and me in so many different ways, but the Lord is saying, don't walk after their ways. I have something much better for you. There's a way to walk before the Lord. We're really walking before the Lord. In other words, He's watching us. He's not just watching us. He's with us and is in us by the Holy Spirit. But there's a way to walk before the Lord. We're not perfect, but the way is perfect. Amen? So think about that for a second. If He says, here's the way, walk in it, the way He's telling you and how to walk in is perfect. Absolutely. We couldn't make any improvements to it. But this could be a little bit better here. But in our day and age, God, maybe we should change and do a little bit more. No. The way is perfect. We're not perfect. He's perfect. He's a perfect Savior. And His way is perfect. Here's the way. Walk in it. And He's calling us to live that way. And He's calling us to live a life that's uh, consecrated unto the Lord and separated unto the Lord. Look down at verse uh, 14. It says, And He shall be for a sanctuary. The Lord's going to be for a sanctuary. Keep your spot there and turn with me. We're going to go back to Isaiah, but turn to Psalm 84. I just want to read the beginning of this. The first four verses of Psalm 84. We're really going to get into our message today about being sanctified unto the Lord. And as we're sanctified unto the Lord, what in return He is for us. And here it says here, He'll be for a sanctuary for His people. Look at this in Psalm 84, verse 1. How amiable are Thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. So he's talking about his tabernacle, his courts. Okay, My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. thee. Selah. And so he says that uh, he's longing for the courts of God. He's longing for the living God. He wanted to be with God. He wanted to be in the house of God. And he says that's a resting place. That's a sanctuary. Even the swallows and the, and the sparrow has found a home in the altars of the Lord. And I was reading, studying this years ago that uh, it was almost, almost became like a Jewish uh, tradition in the temple. If, if uh, birds built their nest somewhere along the, the temple, you know, the roof or some little crevice in the temple that the priests would say, leave it alone. They wouldn't move it. You know, they wouldn't bother it. If it had a nest there, they would let it stay there. And they would say, it's got its little sanctuary right there. And David is saying, even the, the sparrows and the swallows have found their sanctuary or their safe place, their safe haven with you. And, and the Bible tells us that if we'll be sanctified unto the Lord. If we will be separated unto the Lord, and the Lord separated unto us, then He's going to be for us a sanctuary. He's going to be that for us. And so there's a Scripture, you know, we just read in Isaiah, where He says, but sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. Don't live like these people live, Isaiah. But sanctify the Lord Himself. Him. And let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. And He shall be for you a sanctuary. There's a similar Scripture in the New Testament in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And let him and, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Sanctify the Lord, of, Lord God in your hearts. And so those two Scriptures from Isaiah and the New Testament Scripture from 1 Peter, they're very similar in the sense they both talk about sanctifying the Lord and sanctifying the Lord in your hearts and in, in your lives. And they both talk about a proper fear of God. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. That's not popular to talk about today, the fear of the Lord. But it's part of 
reality. It's part of a relationship with God. It's part of the way that man should view God according to the Word of God. That doesn't mean we're afraid and we go hide in the corner and we try to get as far away from God as we can. It means that there's a holy, healthy, reverent fear of God. He's not to be ridiculed. He's not to be mocked. He's not to be disobeyed. He's not to be compromised. He's not to be uh, disregarded. He's God. He's God. And He's everything He says He is in this Word. And He is the judge of all men. The people that don't believe in God are going to stand before God one day. He's the judge of all men. He created all men. All of it's His. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? And they that, they that walk upon it and so forth. It's all the Lord's. And so there needs to be a healthy fear. He is the Lord God Almighty. I'm not telling you that we're to be afraid of God like we're afraid of a rattlesnake that's coiled up in our you know, backyard. I'm saying that we're to have a holy fear of God that causes us to obey God above all. That I'm not going to fear something more than I fear God. I'm going to fear the Lord. And I'm going to walk with the Lord. And I'm going to obey the Lord. There needs to be a sanctifying of the Lord in my heart. And there needs to be a proper fear of God in my life and in my heart. And if you and I, I didn't invent this saying, I've heard it, other people say, if we'll fear God, the man who fears God doesn't need to fear anything else. I'm paraphrasing the way I've heard it put. But if you right, you and I rightly fear God, then we, not, we need not fear anything else. What if what the Bible talks about what a pestilence or, or, or this enemy comes against us or the darkness or these arrows that's flying by day and the pestilence by night and so forth. We don't have to fear any of those things if we'll rightly fear God. Would y'all say that we're living in according to the Word of God in the end times? Yes. Okay? Even whether you know your Bible well or not, you don't have to be a prophet or anything like that. We're in the end times. It's just evident. Okay? Are they scary times? I believe they are. They're scary. They're perilous times. They're, they're times when... Uh, when the love of many wax cold. There are times when there's uh, people don't even have natural affection for people. It, it's a scary time in which we're living. And yet, God is still God. And He wants us to fear Him. And if we'll fear Him, we don't need to fear the times. And we don't need to fear a change in the government to where the laws are contrary to our Christianity. We don't need to fear those things. We don't need to fear. What if somebody comes and take, takes our uh, house away from us? Or takes our, we don't have to live in fear of those things. We, if we'll fear God and trust Him, He will be for us a sanctuary, the Bible says. He Himself will be that. What if we didn't have this house? We call this our sanctuary for, for the time being. This is our church. But what if this was taken away? The Lord will be for us a sanctuary. The Lord. And He wants us to know that. And He wants us to, to uh, experience Him that way. Y'all, these things don't just automatically happen. About Sanctify the Lord Himself. Let Him be your fear. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to all men. Uh, those things don't just automatically happen. If they automatically happen, then why would we have these Scriptures telling us to do that? The Lord was telling Isaiah, sanctify the Lord Himself. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. The New Testament, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to men that ask a reason for the hope that's in you. Those things don't just happen. They don't even just happen to believers. In other words, there's something that's a conscious choice that we make. These Scriptures would be pointless, I guess is what I'm saying, if it just happened. If it just happened. Because God is telling us we need to do that. I need to consciously think about it. And I need to decide that the Lord, even though He's my Savior and I'm born again, I need to make a decision daily probably to sanctify the Lord in my heart and to sanctify the Lord Himself and let Him be what I fear and let Him be my sanctuary. I need to decide that. I need to think on that. You know, God has created man with this wonderful 
free will. We hear about it all the time. We have a free will. We have a, the faculty or the ability to choose. I'm not talking simply choosing about what kind of car you buy, okay, or what clothes you put on today. We have those choices as well. But to choose morally, to choose right or wrong, to choose light or darkness, to choose to follow God and to put our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, or not. The Bible says, and this is condemnation, Jesus said in, in John chapter 3, that light has come into the world. But what? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. He that does evil hates the light, doesn't come to the light, lest their deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that their works may be made manifest that they're wrought in God. What is he saying? That the person had a choice. Here's the condemnation. A holy God's come into the world to save the world. Jesus Christ came into this world to be the Savior of the world, to seek and save the lost. And, and all the angels rejoiced and said, a Savior is born. Good news, right? And men love darkness rather than light. They chose to love darkness. They could have chosen to love the light. It's a choice that we have. Men have the choice to choose God and His Son and His ways. And you as a Christian, if you're born again here today, if you're lost, you have the, the ability to choose Christ and the right to choose Christ, and the freedom to choose Christ. And the devil can't keep you from doing it if you call upon the Lord. Whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. If you're born again and you're a child of God, you and I have the choice each day to live a consecrated life to God or not. Have you ever been a believer some day in your life, month, season in your life, and not live separated unto God? I have. So it's possible, Right? It's possible. That's why the Word of God is saying, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Sanctify the Lord Himself. Let Him be your fear. Don't walk in the ways of those that are around you. The Bible tells us that over and over. It says, uh, Therefore come out, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord of hosts. And touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. He's telling believers that in the church of Corinth. It's for us today. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. That's the sanctifying part. You know, it's sanctifying both ways. It's me uh, being sanctified unto the Lord. Okay? Like I'm His possession and His, His alone. You know, marriage vows, basically. This is my wife to have and to hold. And, and I'll be her husband to have and to hold. Forsaking all others, right? So it's sanctifying in that sense. I belong to the Lord. But it's also in my heart that I set God up on His throne where He belongs. Daily, in practice. Not just in a theory. Not just because the Bible says He's Lord of all. Is He Lord of all in my life? That I will sanctify Him in my heart and set Him apart as being the only one I worship. The only one I fear. The only one I love. The only one I serve. And uh, to yield myself fully to the Lord. To, to, to the, the choice to do that daily, y'all, has eternal consequences. There's an eternal uh, and great uh, uh, results or ramifications from me being separated unto God or not being separated unto God. The Lord has called us to separate myself and you to separate yourself to fully cut off any idolatry that's in my life. You say, well, I don't worship idols. You know, I'm not. I'm a lot more uh, advanced, matured, evolved, whatever you want to call it, than that. We don't worship idols, but we do. We can worship idols. I'm not accusing you of doing. I'm saying men can do that. Okay, that we can worship our. Uh, we can worship a lot of things. We can wor worship our spouse. We can worship our children. We can worship our uh, our uh, our popularity, our position in life. There's a lot of things that we can worship. And the Lord's calling us to cut those things off. No, I'm sanctified for the Lord. I'm set apart for the, for the Lord. My heart belongs to Him. And He has my heart completely and fully. Sets to cut, fully cut off uh, any idolatry from my life. To fully cut off anything that pulls my heart away from Jesus Christ. So you think about it right now. Anything in your life that pulls you away from Jesus Christ, even if that thing is a good thing. 
There can be good things in our life that pull us away from Christ. And it's, it's harder to detect those. And it's harder to want to get rid of those things. We don't have to put them out of our life. We need to take them out of that position in our hearts and minds of having any kind of preeminence or allegiance that would fight or rival my allegiance to God. Those things have to be put out and put down. We're separated from the world unto the Lord. From the world and vanity and and selfishness and all the things of the world. We're separated from and to. I always use this example. Somebody can be separated from what we consider worldly things. You know, pursuit of wealth or or uh, fornication or uh, lying, stealing, cheating, drinking. They're separated from all those things. They, a person can separate themselves from a lot of those things. Jealousy, you know, and yet yet not be separated unto God. Somebody could go live out in the middle of the woods, right? And never see another human being. And so they're separated from a lot of ungodly things and practices and yet they're not holy. They're not separated unto God. And so we're separated from and to. And, and, and the Lord's called us to live a life that way. God will help us to do that. God will help you and I to do that. Uh, to yield ourselves fully to Christ. To seek no other. To obey no other. To love no other. To serve no other. I know you've heard... Uh, Many have heard about the, the Welch revivals in the early 1900s with uh, Evan Roberts was like the catalyst that God used, this young man, uh, young believer, to, to spark a revival. Now God did it, but He used that man to, to spark it and to help bring it about. The very first meeting in the Moriah Chapel where he met with a group of young people, he had, he had been away at seminary, he was a young man, he came back and said, Pastor, I really want to preach. Uh, and the pastor said, "I've got you know, I've got something burning on my heart." The pastor said, "Well, you can preach. I'll give you uh, ten minutes at the night service tonight, or something like that, fifteen minutes." And so he preached. And then Evan Roberts said, "Those that want to stay after the meeting, after the meeting, that's usually the best ones." Amen. That's where the good the uh, people really avail themselves to the Lord. But that's where this revival was birthed. And and uh, there were four. Uh, commitments, I guess. There were four ingredients to the, the he was it was Evan Roberts and a group of young people, maybe college age or teenage people, primarily that were at the meeting that stayed. And they made an agreement, okay, to to seek the Lord for revival. Here was the four things they agreed to do. They kind of committed to this, okay? They're already Christians. They all agreed they would confess all known sin. These sound so simple. Okay? We will confess all known sin. They made the second point. They agreed to remove or endeavor to remove anything from their life that they were in doubt about or felt unsure about. Whatever's not a faith is sin. If they just weren't even <coughs> sure about it, and is this sinful? Is this of God? If not, if they weren't positively convinced it was of the Lord, they were going to put it out of their life. Okay, confess all known sin, remove these uncertain things from their life, be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. That was number three. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly when God shows you to do something. It's time to pray. Well, no, I'm in the middle. No, it's time to pray. You understand what I'm saying? Go get alone and pray. Well, I already went to church and I already went to prayer. And God's saying, I want you to pray right now. I mean, think about those things. I've already done my duty. I've gone to church and prayer meeting today. That's enough for one day. But what if the Holy Spirit's leading me to pray tonight after church? You understand what I'm saying? What if the Holy Spirit's leading me? Am I going to say no to the Lord? This is what we're talking about. And so they, that was their third. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. And the fourth thing, fourth commitment that this group of young people made, and God sparked a revival. It was uh, publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very easy in here to do that. To say hallelujah and lift our hands and shout to the Lord. It's easy to do that. 
Somebody comes up and gives a testimony about the goodness of God or answered prayer. It's easy right here. But it's not as easy publicly amongst the lost world. But that's where God's called us to live. He's called us to be lights in the midst of a perverse generation, He says. In a world that doesn't know Him. In the midst of a people that doesn't know them. That's where He wants us to confess Christ. Confess Him here too. Because it encourages me when you do. And we encourage one another. But God sparked a great revival that went on for many, many years as a result of this handful of people. It was nothing special about them, but they, took, they, they came to like an awareness or seriousness about God beyond their salvation. You know, a, a sanctification unto the Lord where they were separated unto the Lord. The Lord's going to help us. If you're still in Isaiah, if not, turn back there. And let's look at chapter 8 where we're reading verse 17. It says, And I will wait, this is Isaiah, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth His face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for Him. He's saying this this is a choice He's making. I'm going to look for God. I'm going to wait for God. The Lord told me don't live like these people that are around me. And He set Himself apart for the Lord. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord Himself. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. You know what that's telling me? That, that means to allow. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. Again, I could not do that. That means it's possible to do the opposite of that, right? That means it's possible to not let sanctify the Lord in my heart or set myself apart for the Lord. And it means it's possible for me not to let Him be my fear. But when I do this, y'all, it says in Isaiah 8, the beginning of verse 14, He shall be for a sanctuary. Now for those that reject Him, He'll be a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. We read that all through the New Testament as well, right? In the Gospels, and Peter talks about it as well. That would be Jesus Christ became that stumbling stone where the Jews and and anybody that unbelieves unbelief stumbles at. But He goes, He's going to be, if we'll do that, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. And He shall be for a sanctuary. He's going to be for that safe haven. He's going to be that, that rock. He's going to be that stronghold in your life. We know these things. But in order to actually live that way and experience that way, we need to do this. We need to be sanctified unto the Lord. Set apart unto the Lord. And the psalmist says that Moses wrote this psalm. This is Psalm 91.9. Because thou hast made the Lord, because you've done this, okay? Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. What is it? Your dwelling place. Because you've taken the Lord and made him your dwelling place, because you've done this, there shall no plague, um, no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And a lot of other things he mentions. But it, it was a result of it. You see, it was a result of Moses and you and me, whoever would do this, a result of me making the Lord my dwelling place, my sanctuary, my habitation. And as I make Him my habitation, even in the midst of the end times we're living in, even in the midst of a dark world that doesn't know the Lord, and it's getting darker by the minute, that God still... I've made Him my refuge. I've made Him my habitation. He's not going to let the evil things befall us or come upon us. doesn't mean you won't have heartaches or trials in this life. He's not going to let the evil come against you where it takes you away from God or destroys you or just something unbeknownst to God gets a hold of you. You know what I mean? Even in Job's case, like we looked at in Sunday school, a lot of things came against Job, but only... only Things came against Job were things that God allowed. He allowed up. He, he set a boundary. Satan, you can go this far and no further, because he was dwelling with the Lord, and the Lord was his dwelling place, and he was safe. There was a habitation there, and a dwelling place and a safety there. God wants to be that for us, y'all. It doesn't just happen. He is a refuge. He is a strong tower. He is all of those things. But for you to experience Him that way in your life. Today and tomorrow when you wake up and go to work or school or whatever you're doing and there's all kinds of wickedness and cursing going on around you and, and violence and evil and things all around us that are 
always bombarding us in order for me in my heart of hearts to have Him as my sanctuary, then I need to set the Lord apart in my life to be that. It's a conscious thing that we do. It's a conscious choice that we make. And it's by faith. We set our hearts and minds upon the Lord. He that doubteth, Paul says in Romans, is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we set our minds upon the Lord. We fix our hearts by faith upon the Lord and we seek Him. It's not enough, y'all, that we read Scriptures that He is a strong God and a mighty God. If I want to experience Him that way, He tells me that if I'll set myself apart unto Him, He'll be that for me. He already is that. We can't stop Him from being that. But for me to experience Him that way, and to enjoy Him that way, and to walk with Him that way, and to take advantage of God being that to me, then I need to set myself apart unto the Lord and rightly fear Him. Isn't that what the Bible is telling us here? When we do that, He will be that for us. I have a lot of Scriptures, y'all, and I'm going to read them. I just want you to listen and let them sink in. If you want these Scriptures after the service, like if you would want them, I can, I'll be glad to make you a copy of them. But I just wanted to read. And I just stopped after a while because I, I had so many. But for example, when it says the Lord will be our sanctuary, that's a, a safe haven is what it is. It's a holy place. A consecrated place. That's what our sanctuary is. We need a holy place in the midst of an unholy life. An unholy world. We need a safe place. And the Lord is that. This building is not. Whatever building we meet in eventually as a church, that's not the safe haven. The Lord Himself is our sanctuary. So just listen to some of these Scriptures. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. You see, it's You, Lord. You. Okay? Not the nation of Israel. Not the Levitical system that David lived under under this time. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. That is another. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in Thy Word. I'm just going to read one after the other. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Every one of us in this room has times of trouble. The Lord wants to be that. What if you can't get to church? What if you have a trouble on a Monday morning and we're not having service? You can't get in touch with your prayer partner or whatever. The Lord wants to be that refuge. You understand that? You don't have to get here. We need to be here when we're supposed to be here and worship the Lord. God uses this. But you understand the point. Here's another. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is His refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. God is known in our palaces for a refuge. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in Thee. Yea, in the shadow of Thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I'm staying right here with You, Lord, until this is, is over, you know, the calamities are passed by. But I will sing of Thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of Thy mercy in the morning, for Thou hast been my defense and my refuge in the day of trouble. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust Him. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. I'm just thankful. These are just to let the Word of God sink in. I am as a wonder unto many, but Thou art my strong refuge. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and His children shall have a place of refuge. For Thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in His distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. I'll read a couple more. And a man, and this is prophecy from Isaiah speaking about Jesus, that's the man spoken of here. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock 
in a weary land. You know, I watch a lot of these nature shows on TV where survival man or whatever he's trying to live off of, you know, eating a lizard or something out there, and, uh, eating a raw fish and all that stuff. He's out in the middle of the desert, and when he can find that little place of shade, that's a big deal. So if you picture a big cliff, you're out in the, in the desert, and you find a big cliff, and it's casting a big shadow, and you get up under that thing, it must be like, you know what I mean? To get out of the 120 degree heat, even for just a few hours or a little time. And that's what it says. This man's going to be a covert from the tempest uh, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And, and that's just, uh, that's the Lord. He's that for us. And the Bible says uh, that, that we might have a strong consolation to fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. There's a, there's a refuge in the Lord. There's a refuge from sin, but there's also a refuge from all the tempests and the storms and the cares and the troubles of life. It doesn't mean you don't experience those troubles. It means that God is our rock and He upholds us through the troubles. It means that when we have cares we, and troubles, we can cast them upon a living God who cares for us. And the world doesn't have that. So the world's going to grab its straws well, I need to. Find, they find that they got a sickness. I got to find a better doctor, because this doctor can't help me. Maybe there is a better doctor. I'm not saying that that's all wrong, but the world—that's all that they can grasp for, right? They always have to look. We, I can fix this, or I got to find some help to fix this problem. And yet, God wants to be that refuge and that rock in a weary land, and to be that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And is safe. He's safe there. This is not merely a theory of Christianity. God wants us to experience that in our lives. And then we can also help others and encourage them and strengthen them as well. So many scriptures. But y'all, back in Isaiah, and we're going to be you know, bringing this on towards a close. But it says He shall be a, a sanctuary. The Lord's going to be that. But look what He says at the end of verse 12. Isaiah 8.12. He says, neither, He's telling Isaiah, neither fear their fear, nor be afraid. And there's a couple, I didn't study this in depth, but just at first reading what it says to me. Don't you be afraid of them. Okay, don't fear them. And He also, to me, I gather, don't be afraid of what makes them afraid. Don't, don't fear their fear. That's almost kind of what I gather from it. Don't fear them. Isaiah, don't fear wicked people that are around you that have forsaken God and are following after pagans and trusting in idolatrous kings to help them and are doing all kinds of sinful, horrible things under the groves and making all these sacrifices to other pagan gods and are mean and mean-spirited. Don't fear them. Okay? Also, don't be afraid of what makes them afraid. We don't have to fear those things. And I said at the beginning, if we'll fear God rightly then we don't have to fear anything else. And there's a real peace in that. And if I have a holy, healthy fear of Almighty God, nothing perverted, just the way the Word of God says, then I don't have anything else to fear. And I don't have to, uh, to be afraid of all of those other things that, that are around me. And the fear, certainly don't have to be afraid of what makes them afraid. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said in Matthew 10, He says, there's nothing, fear them not, therefore. There's nothing hid that's not going to be revealed. Nothing in darkness that's not going to be brought to light. He says, fear Him not, or them not, which can destroy the body. That would be anybody. Anybody can walk in here and destroy our bodies right now, right? Don't fear them. Fear them not, which destroy the body, but rather fear Him who can destroy both body and soul, in hell. And that's not the devil, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Fear Him. We're never told to fear the devil. We're never told to fear Satan. If we fear God, He's got Satan under control for us. Okay? He's delivered me from that any power of the enemy, any uh, will that Satan had, uh, what he was going to do to my life or through my life. I, he's my Savior and my Deliverer. He'll keep the enemy at bay for me. He'll keep him away. We talk, Alberta talked a little bit about the shield of faith today and the armor of God. God keeps us from the, the hand of the enemy. And so, if we'll rightly fear God, 
we don't have to fear all those other things. And walking in a right relationship with God, y'all, sanctify where He's sanctified to us and we're sanctified unto Him, it frees us from all other fear. We walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. And perfect love, First John says, cast out all fear. It's just He casts it out. I don't have to live in fear that, oh, what if this isn't real? You know, if I've given my life to Jesus, I'll have doubts that come and go, but I don't have to fear anything in this life. What if heaven's not real and it's really not like people have told me? It is. I don't have to fear that. His perfect love of God, and He loves me perfectly. I don't love Him perfectly. I strive to. I desire to. He's helping me to love Him more. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But He loves me perfectly. And His perfect love for us casts out all fear. So we don't have to walk around and live in fear of anything else. As you and I, and I'm bringing this to a close, as you and I magnify the Lord Jesus Christ above all. We really have to, that's a conscious choice. We have to think about it. We need to consider, have I magnified the Lord and exalted Him above everything else in my life? What if you had somebody that all their life they wanted to be a missionary? They wanted to be a missionary in some foreign country and that almost became, and they wanted to do it for God, okay? And somewhere along the line, it became that thing became their idol. Missionary service became their idol as opposed to the Lord being their Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Anything can become an idol. The growth of this church. We all want it to grow. We want to prosper. We want to build that building out on Highway 42. All these things we want to do. Y'all, it has to be the Lord. But if we stay here for a while, you know, are we okay with that? Yes. We're going to do whatever God wants us to do. We're going to be satisfied with Jesus. But if we'll magnify the Lord where He's supposed to be in our hearts and be separated to the Lord in our daily lives, He's going to be for us a sanctuary. I have to find my satisfaction in the Lord, in my peace, and my strength, okay? He's going to grow us. He's going to grow our faith. And y'all, as our faith in the Lord grows, and as I see the Lord for in His beauty and splendor and might and majesty, and when I see the Lord rightly that way, the little problems or the big problems in our lives are going to diminish, aren't they? They haven't physically changed sizes, but they become less in our lives. It's amazing how that happens. When we focus on Jesus and see, wow, He loves me. I'm already forgiven. I don't have to prove myself to Him. I can rest in Him. Uh, whatever it is, we turn to the Lord. We see Him fully in who He is. And I'm His and He's mine then the problems that were nipping at my heels okay, all day long just seem to go away. That's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live that way. And just listen to this Scripture. And Jesus, again, He's encouraging His people. He says, uh, and this is from John chapter 10, verse 26, but, believe, but ye believe not because ye are not of My sheep. Wait, yeah, this is it. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He said, my Father, which gave these sheep to me, is greater than I, and nothing can pluck you out of the Father's hands. He wants us to know that. That's something He wants us to experience. Not just a Scripture in the Bible. He wants us to know that we're safe in the Lord. He's our dwelling place. He's our sanctuary. He's our refuge. Nothing's going to pluck you out of the Father's hands. He promised us that. Well, is He lying or is He telling the truth? He's telling the truth and He wants us to walk in that way. And it's not saying that you and I won't have fear as Christians. Things that scare us. Okay? There's sudden fear that comes upon us. It's the, the fact that as believers, we can quickly, when that heart is separated unto the Lord, we quickly can settle back down on the rock. Something scares you. What does the world do when it's scared? Where do they run? You understand what I'm saying? Where do they flee to? What refuge do they have? What hope? But we as believers, we have fear that comes into our lives. David said, what time I am afraid, I'll trust in thee. He didn't say, if I ever get afraid. What time I am afraid. He had experiences of fear. But he says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. 
He wants us to trust in Him. And the, the believing heart and the, is the one that's going to find comfort and rest. A divided heart is always going to be troubled. Do you all know that? Even as a Christian, if you and I are here this morning, we have a divided heart. It's divided between trusting God completely and not, serving God completely and not. I serve God most of the time, but over here I kind of do my own thing over here. That's a divided heart. And that divided heart is never going to have that peace. It's the one that's fully dedicated to the Lord that's going to experience the peace that God gives us and only He can give us. A couple more Scriptures, y'all. Well, we know the Scripture in Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusteth in Thee. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee. It stays on God. And we find it drifting at times, right? So what do we do? We bring it back. I say this to myself and I've said it in counseling. I might have to do that a thousand times in a day. But do it a thousand times in a day. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to become more of a habit that my mind is stayed on the Lord. It will become more of a practice. It will become more of a... That'll be my norm. That'll be my default. You see, where I'm staying with my mind set upon the Lord. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And we fear God and, and are separated unto the Lord. He gives us a peace that passes this world's understanding. Let's read another scripture in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 28. Deuteronomy 1, 28-30. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people is greater. This is when they had gone and spot out the land. And God said, I want you to take the promised land. They came back with an evil report and said, no, the giants are there and we're afraid and we can't go. And so it made all the people afraid. The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have the sons of Anakim, that's the giants there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, He shall fight for you according to all that He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He's telling them, don't fear. If we fear God, we don't have to fear those other things. The Bible tells us that Moses' parents, uh, when, they, when, when there was a decree given in Egypt that all the Hebrew male children were born, they were to be killed, right? To be murdered. It's horrible. We think it's horrible now and things are horrible now. Can you imagine? Every male Hebrew child, you had your little baby that the, that the, that the parents had been expecting for nine months. And the law in the land was when the Hebrews had a male child, kill it. The Egyptians were to come in and kill it. But Moses' parents, they took him and they trusted him to God. And they put him in a little boat, a little basket made of reeds. And they said, we're not going to kill him, but we can't keep him here because we'll be caught with him. What were they doing? We're just trusting him to God. I mean, amazing. In the midst of Nile crocodiles and hippos and, and uh, water <coughs> and mosquitoes and everything else, and we're going to put him out in this little basket, a little newborn baby, and push him off and let him go down the river. But they weren't just being ignorant. They were trusting the Lord with him. Guess what that little boat was? It was a sanctuary for Moses. The Lord was that safety. It wasn't the basket. It was the Lord was the sanctuary for little baby Moses. And guess who finds him real quickly? Pharaoh's daughter, and she has compassion. God had it set up. It was a sanctuary. The Lord was a sanctuary for Moses. And God had plans for the man. He raised up to be the deliverer of Israel eventually. But the Bible says they didn't fear the wrath of the king. <coughs> Because they trusted in God. And when you fear God, you don't have to fear the wrath of a king. And the little baby's safe, not in a basket, but in God's hands. And that's the same for us today. Elijah didn't fear Ahab. He said, this is the Lord before whom I stand continually. If I stand before the Lord continually, I'm surely not going to be afraid of a wicked man named Ahab. There's just there's, the fear goes when we trust God and fear Him completely. 
and are sanctified to the Lord. I'm going to close with this Scripture. Y'all turn with me. The last Scripture we'll read today. Psalm 142. And uh, D, if y'all are going to be doing the, the altar, you can come on. Psalm 142. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Psalm 142, 4 and 5. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto Thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. He looked to his left and right. There wasn't anybody to help him. His soul needed help. His soul needed refuge. And he says, I'm a cry to the Lord. That's where God wants us to be. To call upon the Lord. He's never let anybody down once. He's never let anybody down one time. He never failed one person. Even Joshua said at the end of his life, after they came across the Jordan River and the walls of Jericho fell and fought all kinds of giants and enemies and they took the land, and when he was about to die, he said, the Lord, not one of His promises has failed. Not one thing that God promised us has failed. We need to fear God. We need to be separated unto the Lord and trust Him. He's a good God. And He's a powerful God. And He loves us. And they're coming to play and and sing. We're just going to start our altar. You can stand. Uh, Again, I say it every week. I know it's crowded. I know it's cramped. Do your best to to not let that hinder you from touching God and meeting with God. If you need to turn around and pray at your pew where you're sitting, if you want to walk in this room behind me, if you want to get off here where it's a little more private and find you a place to meet with God, the Lord might be leading you to pray over somebody and with somebody. Charles Wesley, we all know who Charles Wesley uh, was. And he was one time praying in his little uh, little home and the windows were open. And he was looked out his window and there was a hawk that was chasing a sparrow. You know, eat it for a meal. Okay? So this hawk is chasing the sparrow down and for some weird reason, the sparrow just flies through his window and landed right in his arms. In Charles, Charles Wesley's arms, the, the hawk wasn't going to enter into a man's house. He took off, found something else to eat, I guess. But the sparrow came in and landed. And it inspired him. He thought, this little guy's got refuge right here. And it inspired him. And the Lord gave him the song, Jesus, lover of my soul. It's not the one we sing, contemporary, but an old hymn. And, uh, and he says, uh, one of the lines in that song is, other refuge have I none. Other refuge have I not. It's just the Lord. God, if there's nothing else He imparts to us this morning or that we leave with this morning, is to know that when we'll separate our lives to the Lord, He will be Himself. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. Not Christianity, okay? God Himself. Let Him be your fear and dread. He will be for a sanctuary. He wants us to know that. He is that, but He wants us to to experience Him that way. He wants to be that in your life. And we're just going to come before the Lord now. Just call upon the Lord. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to put out. Maybe um, there's other things that have a hold upon your life that are drawing you away from the Lord. Maybe you're eaten up with fear, but it's not a fear of God. It's a fear of other things. And we need to lay those before the Lord. Maybe we haven't magnified the Lord enough. He's too small. We've made a mighty God, but we've taken Him in our own conception of Him. We've made Him small. He can't help me. He can't save me. God's not a big enough answer for this problem that I'm facing. That's a sin. Whatever's not a faith is sin. Maybe we need to magnify the Lord more in our, in our minds and in our hearts. And ask the Lord to make Himself more real to you. Maybe you're not born again. You want to give your life to Jesus today. If you're here today and said, I'm I'm a sinner. I need to give my life to Christ. He's the only Savior. And I want to know that my sins are forgiven. And I have the gift of eternal life. I want to be born again. Then you can do that. Just come up here. and, And I would love to pray with you. Make your way. People will make way for you to come. If you need prayer about something in your life and want to come to the front of this church, People will make way for you to come. But for the rest that don't feel the need to come forward, just get with God. 
magnify Him. Come let us magnify the Lord together. Lift Him up in your own heart and mind. Not in your theology only, but in your own heart. Let God be the God He is. He's a strong tower. He's a refuge. And God, we look to You to be our defense and our fortress and our safe haven and that consecrated place, that holy place. We're not looking to this building. We're not looking to Cornerstone Church. We're, we're, we're looking to You, Almighty God, to be that refuge and that strong tower, a very present help in trouble. We love You, Lord God. In Jesus' name, just call upon the Lord. If you need prayer, Maybe you can't make it up here. Raise your hand. I will come to you and pray with you.